to Mawale. For the win! Good! Arike Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame! Pino gets the crossing. He's towards one man. championship medal she is the greatest of all time you just can't say it enough wow women's singles champion serena williams large williams into bird in the corner you bet she's done it again Sue bird you're listening to all in a woman's sports podcast on wfuv sports Welcome into this week's episode of All In, a women's sports podcast for WFUV. My name is Taylor Massetta, and I am so excited to dive right into some quite literally breaking news. But before we get to that, I want to talk with my wonderful co-hosts, Annabelle Watson and Julia Moss. You guys, how are we doing today? I'm feeling really good, excited to be here with you guys. We have a lot of really cool news, and you know, it's just a big sports day overall. We have the draft tonight, so it's super excited to to be here with you guys same it's been a big week um a big week indeed all right all right but um yeah it's been a big week for sports especially um with with the playoffs going on ncaa women's wrapping up i mean it's a, it's a big time for sports and yeah it's all we're also in that like on a personal we're in that weird stretch of you know graduations in the future we can see it and it's it's sad like taylor's graduating and and you know it's going to be really, really upsetting. Well, Julia has a big year coming up all for right, her right. because, <laughs> well, just announced a couple days ago, she will be the next sports manager here at WFUV, the first woman ever at the station to lead the sports program. Julia, can you just tell me a little bit about what that means to you? I mean, it, it means the world. Um, I mean, to lead the station, not only just as a person, to to have that position and, you know, the people that, that led last year, Ryan and Mike, feeling like, you know, I'm the best option to to take the station into next year it's just the biggest honor ever and then also that that next level of being the first woman i mean fuv has been around for 70 i think we just celebrated 70 or 75 years mm-hmm. and there's never been a woman leading this, this the sports section of the station so it it's hitting in waves for sure and i haven't like felt the whole uh the full effect of it yet uh but just i'm excited for next year we have so many amazing people coming back annabelle will be back uh, maddie will be back familiar faces to all in and and i'm excited to bring in the the next round of fuvers yeah because i think we're all just so excited for julia i got the news when i was swimming at the pool at practice (laughs) and i got the email and i was like yeah i think it's just really cool to just see you in that position and like giving girls like in the future like to like someone to look up to and be like oh my god i can do that and i think that's the biggest thing too is like when i joined wfuv we had kayla as the assistant Mm -hmm. um and that meant a whole great like that meant a lot to me to know that uh that someone could hold a leadership power like that and that is a huge reason why I stayed in FUV is because there were like powerful women in charge and and just know that I will be in a position of you know completely leading it I hope that has even half the effect that that Kayla's job had on me and if even one person joins like because they see a woman in charge like that would be incredible and, and Taylor you you mentioned 
uh, how you got it while you were swimming in the pool. I had to hold on to that information for a full day. Uh, <laughs> the entire told, 24 hours. They told me the day before and we're like, well, we're going to announce it at 8 a.m. tomorrow. Only tell your parents. And that was like the hardest. Like, because I'm oh very close friends with you guys yeah. and I couldn't say anything. And I know how much you guys have been on this journey with me for, for so mm-hmm. long and, and myself with you two as well. So I wanted to tell you guys so bad, but it was so difficult. But I'm happy. I'm happy it's out there. I'm honored to have the position and I'm excited for next year. Big W for Julia. <laughs> and I just got to say, LSU also has a big W today. Haley Van Liff <laughs> commits to LSU after entering the transfer portal just a couple weeks ago. So this Louisville star joins the reigning champions with two seasons of eligibility remaining. She's ranked the number one prospect in the transfer portal. And it looks like Kim Mulkey was busy getting her to the school and Oh, man, guys, what are your first thoughts about this massive move? Well, I mean, I think it kind of creates a super team here in the NCAA, which you really don't see that often. And, you know, I'm I'm kind of neutral towards it, but I do think it's very interesting to see Kim Mulkey kind of make these moves that you would see a professional coach do. And I do think it speaks to her recruiting skills and how how good of a coach she is. Um but she, we're getting Haley Van Lith, and then also they're getting the number one um, from this year's recruiting class. So it's just crazy. They're going to be a super team, and they're going to try to go back-to-back. UConn is the last team to do so. They won three championships back-to-back, 2014, 2015, and 2016. So, you know, I think with this kind of star power, they might be able to, but you know, I'm, I'm not super, I don't lean super hard one way. I do think it is fun to see talent spread around the NCAA. But, you know, I think it could be cool to see how this dynamic comes into play, especially because we haven't really seen a big super dynasty since UConn. So. Yeah, we were talking about this a little bit before the show about whether or not LSU was going to be the next UConn. Um, I think in terms of current talent, yes. But with that dynasty, they've got to win multiple national championships in a row. They got to go undefeated for like what was it? Didn't UConn have like a hundred game winning streak? Like it's just like earth shattering. Like moves like that is what you made yeah. UConn UConn. And if LSU has the potential to be that too, I think that would be super cool to see. Because like as big as a UConn fan I am, like I do also really like LSU. Mm-hmm. I want to see UConn win the national championship, obviously, but I wouldn't be mad to see LSU do well also. Yeah. So I have to say I was very excited about the Haley Van Lift move. I had <laughs> Julia is shaking, shaking her, her head. head. Um <laughs> I I am just so excited to see her on the court with just such a fiery, like passionate team. I had a feeling she was gonna go to LSU after hearing that she Baylor was her number two school before when committing Kim to Louisville. Yeah. And she wanted Mulkey and mm-hmm. Haleyville. She wants a national championship. Not saying that Louisville can't do it, but it's just with these powerhouse teams just emerging. You've got South Carolina. You've got LSU, obviously. UConn coming back with Paige Beckard's uninjured. I think she's like just looking at the best opportunity to get that national championship before she enters the WNBA draft. And I think she thought that LSU was the best chance for her after like seeing what they did this year and obviously she wants to get coached by Mulkey but by the way there was a really funny video that came out like an hour ago like Kim Mulkey's just like chilling in her office (laughs) after the news drops and she's just chilling she's got her legs crossed on her desk and then she's like teasing another like recruit that's coming in I'm like god god only knows I think Anisha Morrow is like 
visiting LSU this week, the um, star from DePaul. So if they can get her too, I mean, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but like another super team in LSU, like if they can get all of those names, that would just be insane. But I am just very interested to see what Julia has to say because she has just been very unhappy about this move. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it so much. Like, she got, like, she was at Louisville. That I mean, she led her team at Louisville. College should there should not be super teams in college. That is not something I don't even really love it on the professional level. I mean, of course, in the WNBA, I like it a little bit because <laughs> it's New York Liberty. But but it's not fun. It's not fun yeah. when it's not your team. And I'm aware that there's biases where I'm okay with it for the Liberty because I want to see my favorite players play together. But on the collegiate level, it's so annoying because. It's just, I just don't think that's what the college game is for. Like, of course you want to win a national championship. That's everyone's goal. But to, like, ring chase in the NCAA? Like, I don't know if we've seen this that much before. I mean, it's one thing to to join a team from high school to college with the hopes of winning a ring and a really good team to be with a really good coach. But when you've already set yourself as, like, a pillar at Louisville – and to leave that to go to an already stacked team, I don't love it. I, I don't love it at all. Um, Julia, I, I mean, do pose a question to you. Okay, sure. <laughs> Would your feelings about super teams change if she committed to Iowa? Yeah, I would. I wouldn't like it either, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, there's something to me that puts a bad taste in my mouth with her not manipulating is like the wrong word, but like her using the transfer transfer portal in that way. There's something I just don't like about that. I like things to be natural and to kind of carry out your years at a with a team. So that's kind of my problem with it. Yeah, and this is just like Caitlin Clark's impact. Like, honestly, this is this has. I have no doubt that people are just scared of Iowa going in. Honestly, I don't know why they are scared of Iowa. They lost Monica Sinano, and Mm -hmm. Caitlin Clark's incredible, but she lost her number two best player, and, you know, I think think players are legitimately just scared of Iowa, and Paige Becker's coming back. Of course, UConn is going to be a powerhouse too, but, like, UConn goes about it in a really good way. Like, Lou Lopez-Seneschal transferred from Fairfield to UConn, like, really – trying to move up instead of move lateral almost yeah. in a way that the way Haley Van Liss has done. And it, I don't like it. I don't like it all. Like LSU is probably going to win the national championship next year. It's not going to be fun basketball to watch. It's a lot. I mean, I had the same issues with UConn before the past few years. I mean, the playing field is leveled out, but like, it's just not fun to watch UConn win four straight national championships. And it's not going to be fun to watch Louisville beat up on Vanderbilt and on Tennessee and all these SEC teams. Like, I don't know. It'll be fun for the people of Louisiana, but not for basketball mm-hmm. as a whole. Well, I feel like I kind of want to, like, take a different approach to this. I think having, like, that grad transfer year is a really wonderful opportunity for a lot of athletes. And I don't really blame her for ca- wanting to capitalize on it. So, I mean, as every, as our listeners probably know, like, most NCAA athletes received like, an extra year of eligibility because of the coronavirus pandemic. And... It's obvious that Van Liff is, like, taking advantage of this. She wants to go. She wants to win. I mean, it, it definitely does – if you, like, look at it from a distance, it does leave a bit of a sour taste in your mouth that she's leaving one program behind for another. But who knows? Maybe she wants to go to, like, graduate school at LSU. Maybe they have, like, one – like, a, an academic program that at she would LSU, really want. At LSU. 
I, I know, but like still, that's just a if personal she went to thing. Like, no. If she went to like USC or UCLA or like Vanderbilt, like okay, sure, or Stanford, that's one. Yeah. Yeah. If she had went to if Stanford, she, sure. Also, I know there were rumors. LSU. I hate to say it, but I highly doubt Haley Van Lith is like her main priority is definitely it's not definitely her education. Yeah. LSU's acceptance rate is seventy percent. She would be better <laughs> off going to Fordham for an academic. I know, degree. I know. Like, I'm, just, I'm just being hypothetical here, but um, I feel like it's just like if like. Some players, they want to win. They just really, really want to win. And she saw her best opportunity with what she has and, I guess, just takes it up. Like, I, I think super teams can be dangerous in some aspects. But we also have not seen, like, the season yet, obviously, because yeah, it starts in November. True. We don't know how these players are going to mesh on the court. Like, she might not get along with people. Who knows? They, it might be too, like, maybe too strong of personalities yeah. on the floor. So we don't know how this team is going to mesh. It might be incredible, and they might win again. But you can't forget about the South Carolinas and the Yukons and all those other teams that manage to bounce back every single year. So I feel like we can't really, like, I personally feel like I can't make comments about, like, if they're going to win or not until I see them play together on the court. Like, we can, like, predict and stuff now. But I think it's also just going to be really, like, fun. Like, honestly, I think it's going to be kind of fun basketball to see Angel Reese and Haley Van Liff, like, on the court. Like, people were saying, like, the two biggest trash talkers yeah. in the NCAA are going to be on the same team. And I think but that's when just... they're up 68 to 23. Do yeah. you think that's really going to happen, though? Yeah. Like, if they play against... I mean, I think against a lot of these SEC schools that aren't South Carolina, they are going to really beat up on them. <laughs> yeah, and no, then for it's sure. kind of it's kind of the narrative that if you know uh, Haley Van Lith and Angel are like trash talking against you know I don't know Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt. <laughs> people are going to get mad, and right. you know I think that's kind of the trouble there. But Taylor, to your point, this is now a team of some very strong personalities, so. You never know. There could be some fights. Not fights, but they, they might not mesh well. I don't really see that happening on a college team because it is a little bit more of a controlled environment versus a professional locker room. But, you know, you also mentioned you don't – the season hasn't started yet. There could be injuries. So, you know, as much as, as, much as we're kind of questioning things, I think that, you know, we have to see what happens this season. I think we also have to take into account the NIL opportunities that she gets at this school. Mm -hmm. Like, that's definitely – I feel like that's got to be a factor in the decision, too, because now LSU is four of the top eight NIL valuations in the NCAA. They've got Livy Dune, Angel Reese, Flage, with a ridiculous amount of money coming in from the NIL, and now Haley Van Liff, she's going to probably make – She's currently making like around like 500k, I think, NIL deals, and that's just gonna skyrocket the minute she gets to school. And you think about it too, like Angel Reese, Flage, who both have over a million followers on Instagram, are gonna be posting with her. Obviously, the LSU basketball account I think has got like over 100k followers now, if I'm not mistaken. So that just brings more attention to her and helps further her career. So it's like other aspects like that. I feel like I can't help but like think about. Like obviously, Louisville has made her like has. She's made her mark on that school, and they have made her who she is today. But, like, if she's just looking for different opportunities just to get bigger, I feel like it's almost like a bit of a stepping stone because LSU is just such a powerhouse in every single sport. I don't blame her for being a little interested in, like, wanting to dip her toes in that water and see what can happen. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think when you look back at some of the most popular college athletes in recent years, 
they're all coming from LSU, Livy Dunn, Joe Burrow. Um, Joe. So <laughs> Joe Shiesty. Oh, my God. No, I love I Joe. I love – I can go on about – I don't. I don't like Joe Burrow. What? What is that's wrong? a whole. That's a whole other can of worms. But I just think he's he's oh he's cocky and he's overrated and no he's awful to the Tennessee Titans. So <laughs> yeah, that's why you don't like him. Yeah. So I mean, I think when you look at that, you know, it's definitely very attractive and obviously along with the national championship, it's very attractive. But um, you know, I, I can't blame her for going. I think. We just don't like the outcome. You you can blame her. Yeah, I mean she had. I can blame her. Like make your you have a good roster yeah. at Louisville. Like if you really can buy in on yourself, I think Haley Van Lift could have led Louisville to a championship. I mean it just shows she doesn't be, like. I don't. Know, I don't want to get too far into it, but mm-hmm. I think if she if she believed in herself and believed in like the skill that she can bring to a team, she wouldn't feel the need to mm-hmm. ring chase and at LSU. And I feel that same way in the professional level. Like as much as I hate to say it. Brianna Stewart, if she truly felt like she was good enough to lead mm-hmm. a team to a championship, she would not have left the Seattle Storm. It's something that is across the board that I don't like in sports. I, of course, I'm happy to see it in New York <laughs> because I get to go to those games and, and be a fan. And I've never seen a team of mine win a championship in any sport. Um, subtle unflex. But, um, <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I think. I think it's a cop out. Like it's gonna be cool. It's gonna be fun in March. I will say that it's gonna be fun in March. But from November to February, it is not going to be fun until you see LSU play South Carolina. Like that's gonna be a marquee matchup. Yeah. That is gonna be a game people see. And I guess another pro to this is that there's gonna be more media attention towards LSU and more storylines with LSU. And at the end of the day, storylines help women's sports. So that's good. But just from a basketball purist level, like. It's it's whatever. I, I I don't really like it. It was pretty cool seeing like Haley Van Liff was like trending on. She was like in the top five trending on Twitter today. Like mm-hmm. everyone was like freaking out about how cool it was. But I think it's definitely going to bring more eyes to the sport. Like we've just seen how many people got so invested with March Madness this year with the LSU team. Even with like the Caitlin Clark Angel Reese drama, like that brought more eyes. It's obvious that everyone's eyes are on LSU right now, and I think it's gonna it's just gonna continue to be that way now with Haley Van Liff. But I could talk about this for hours, but I feel like we kind of got to move on now. But we, there is another transfer in the NCAA that I'm going to touch on quick on. Tahina Pow Pow is transferring from Oregon to South Carolina. So South Carolina is already trying to reload after losing five of their players last year, also known as the Freshies, because you got Aaliyah Boston, Zaya Cook, Bria Bill, so many names going into the WNBA this year. So this is just the beginning of Dawn Staley's like um, rebuild. And guys, what are your thoughts on this transfer? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, South Carolina is losing so many seniors, and Tahina is a proven point guard, uh, very skilled. She started all 35 games this past season for Oregon. She's a three-time all-conference Pac-12 pick, and uh, she was the third leading scorer on the team, so she's just kind of proven skill-wise. She's very experienced, and, you know, I think that this uh, South Carolina team with all those losses, they kind of have to get someone with experience. So she's a good fit there. Um, so hopefully as the season starts, we'll see her kind of make her mark with uh, Coach Staley. Yeah, I mean, they needed it, right? Uh, you lose your starting five basically to the draft. And, you know, you're lucky enough to have Don Staley as your coach and, and have a winning foundation like South Carolina. Like we see it with UConn. They always find a way to replenish their lineup. Um, but this is a bigger loss than usual for for teams and South Carolina, especially, you know, they 
they really needed it and they got it. They're going to get a good, a really good player, a good three point shooter. And in a, in a place where offense is becoming more and more important, it's, it's going to be good. And, but I don't think they can stop here. I think they need more than this. Um, as, as great as a start, this is, they're going to have to attack the transfer portal a little bit more. And I have no doubt that Don, I mean, come on, it's Don Staley. <laughs> you go into a transfer, you go into a, like a recruitment meeting and Don Staley walks <laughs> in. Like, how are you saying no? She, there's, there's no doubt that South Carolina as long as Don Staley is there, South Carolina is going to be at the pinnacle of women's basketball. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you can't help but kind of feel bad for them right now because they've graduated seven seniors, pretty much the entire starting lineup, and only four players are coming back, and they've only averaged like 10 minutes per game last season. So I think with the addition of Pow Pow, it's going to really just like bolster this offense. She can replace Zaya Cook, who was the leading scorer last year. She, Pow Pow is also an excellent three-point shooter. She was ranked number 14 in the nation in three-point percentage in 2022. I think she's just going to come in and just be like bucket after bucket after bucket. And that's what Staley needs right now. I'm interested to see who else they can get from the transfer portal. Now with Van Liff off the market, I don't know who South Carolina could get, but there are those other names. So I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, to Julia's point, I think when you have Dawn Staley at the helm, you know, you you will succeed as far as rebuilding a team. And I think Tahina is a very good starting point. There are some names out in the portal. But, you know, I, I believe in Staley to kind of make her picks. And she knows how to build a team, obviously. And, and she can recover from those big losses. Yeah, I mean... South Carolina, I mean, I've, like I said before, there's no doubt South Carolina is going to be back at the top, competing with LSU, competing with Iowa. Um, I'm really intrigued to see what Iowa's out-of-conference schedule looks like because as great as their conference is with, like, Iowa State, um, I believe Maryland's in their conference. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think they have to go outside of that in a lot of ways because there's a big drop-off in, in their conference. And yeah. I would love to see – an Iowa, South Carolina, Iowa, LSU out of conference matchup. Yeah, that my my most insane. anticipated thing of this um, upcoming NCAA season is seeing the out of conference schedules for Iowa, LSU, South Carolina because I think with those three powerhouse teams, the biggest test is really going to be their out of conference schedule, not so much the conference schedule, right. because you know there's only a few matchups for all three of them that are really gonna kind of means something the rest are probably going to be blowouts so could you imagine let me throw this out there <laughs> yeah uh, an out of conference iowa yukon that would be that would solve all of my issues that would be <laughs> no please that would be we already saw caitlin clark page beckers in 2020 or 2021 whatever um in their freshman years um but Paige has been injured yeah. and like i want that matchup again so so bad and that that's something i'm that's the only thing i'm looking for in this out of conference schedule like that's so specific specific matchup but i know that you know viewers talk money talks and an iowa yukon matchup with a healthy Paige beckers with a healthy caitlin clark i mean there's blocks of viewers i just can't wait to see um Paige come back oh i know i'm so So excited excited. for Paige. there's a whole other thing we could talk about i think everyone sleeps on Paige now because she's been injured for so long two straight years i'll do it literally (laughs) everyone is just kind of like it's talking about like caitlin clark caitlin clark caitlin clark which isn't a bad thing at all but i feel like kind of like everyone was talking about caitlin clark and Paige beckers like just two years ago i remember everyone was like comparing them and stuff so now like Paige has been injured you just haven't like people just kind of seem to like have I kind of forgotten about her and I am so ready for her to come out 
inspiring because if, if UConn can stay healthy this summer, like they're going to just be a dark horse. Like they're going to be a dark horse. I think they can make a very deep run in the NCAA tournament, but we just got to wait and see who we didn't know that we were going to lose like half the squad yeah. over the summer last year. They really just got to keep this injury bug down. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that was the main thing that got to UConn this past year. Um, and hopefully Paige can come back in her, you know, prime form. I don't really have many doubts about it because she is she's Paige Beckers. But, you know, I think that her coming back from this injury will kind of get her name back in the loop with, um, you know, Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese. And I think that it's going to be really important for her to you know, play very well this season because she could potentially declare for the draft. And I think a lot of people who are fans of women's basketball are looking forward to that, especially. And I think another thing um, about Paige Beckers is as much as I think she is going to come back and be the Paige Beckers we saw, I feel like people should give her a little bit of slack. Yeah, because I mean, she has had two huge, you know, traumatic injuries mm-hmm. to, um, to her, her legs. So like, there needs to be a sense of like, okay, she's Paige Beckers and she's incredible, but she also hasn't played consistent basketball in a very long That's time. That's a good point. So I hope the media in general, like obviously they're already starting to write her off in, in certain aspects. I saw, we saw this random, I think it was a just women's sports, uh, dra- like ranking of like potential draft and pa- they put Paige as like six. Yeah. There's then, no way she's coming six. Like, no way. It, it's crazy. Um, but I do think people need to give her a bit of slack to start the season and, and let her prove us wrong rather than already having the microscope over her after being injured for so long. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. I feel like it's going to be a revenge tour for a lot of players and teams this next upcoming year. Yeah. Like I was like I was going to chime in before. I can't wait for the Iowa LSU rematch if that just mm-hmm. ever happens. Like Caitlin Clark will be out for blood. Like, I think that would just be so cool to watch. And now if Haley Van Lift enter, entering the mix, just to bring her back yeah. a little bit. Like, hey, like, her and Caitlin Clark were chirping each other during the NCAA tournament. We're going to see that again. Yeah. Like, I just think it's really cool to see all these storylines playing out. And I'm just, like, really, really excited to kind of see what, what comes next. But we do have one more headline for NCAA women's basketball, and it's a little closer to home. Our beloved Anna DeWolf is going to be doing her grad year at Notre Dame, and we are all so, so excited for her. Guys, first thoughts? Uh, just so exciting, so cool. Um, I mean, to see a Fordham player that we kind of all got so familiar with, um, I think Julia especially did, um, to go to a – such a storied program like Notre Dame is really awesome and you know even though I I don't know and I met her once but (laughs) I do feel very very proud that you know a Fordham Ram is going to uh, Notre Dame and you know I think she can really get in the mix with that team and it's just going to be so cool to like turn on ESPN watching a women's game and to see Anna on the court yeah I mean oh my gosh guys it's it's really incredible of course it sucks to lose you know, a player that's been such a staple for what Fordham women's basketball is for, for four years. I mean, she really came right, like right from the jump was like solidified herself as like that player. And, you know, it never wavered once in four years. And it, it, part of it sucks to see her go, but the part where you like care about her as a person is so, so awesome. And I saw the commitment at it and I was so happy because not only Notre Dame, like a storied program that has won national championships. Uh, I mean, in our, in our intro audio, we have a Notre Dame game winner. Like it's <laughs> it's really incredible. Um, and to add a layer to that, like 
Neil Ivy, who is their head coach, used to coach at, uh, was one of the only female assistant coaches in the NBA and coached for the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. So it's a really cool connection there because, like, as you guys have said, like, you know, we've, like, Anna is a huge friend of All In, has been on a yeah. couple of times. Um, and it's, it's just really cool that someone who's, like, been on our show, who we've gotten to know so well, is going to be playing at, at somewhere like Notre Dame. I'm mm-hmm. so happy for her. And, I, like, she's going to do incredible things. And I really hope this is, like, a, a Lou Lopez and a shout story where a year from now we're talking about yeah. her draft stock in the WNBA. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I am just, like, over the moon excited. Yeah, this is honestly just, like, such a full circle moment for her because her first game as a Ram was against Notre yep. Dame in the Rose Hill gym. And I remember being, like, I remember seeing that. And, like, just so cool to see her, like, go out and just do this. Like, seeing a Ram just go into this massive power five power five conference team. Like it's just like, I, don't, I was just so, so excited to see this news and she's already, she's going to fill in a needed role on this team. They lost Dara Marbury, who was a free point specialist last year. And Anna can like fill that void. And she's also got years of experience. Like Notre Dame has a relatively young team. And even though Anna's just like coming in, she's already gotten like, years of D1 basketball under her belt. She's going to be able to lead this team to new heights, and I'm really excited to see that. And I think that's the other thing is, like, she's earned this. Like, she mm-hmm. is an incredible player, and we, have, like, we haven't completely touched on that yet. I mean, she second in A-10 scoring this year, second to uh, Asia Dingle, another amazing player at Fordham. Um, last year, I think, I'm pretty sure she led, was co-player of the year in the A-10 last year. This, I mean, her her rep at her, her resume is is absolutely incredible and you know I know I speak for all of us when I say it's been incredible to watch her on the court these past three years and our past four years and um the fact she gets to go to Notre Dame next year they're getting an incredible player an incredible person very humble you know just loves the game and like I, I'm so excited yeah I mean I have to mention when we're talking about Anna DeWolf Arguably one of my favorite like sports moments I've seen live, her three point buzzer beater against URI. Oh my that gosh. was just that so was, cool. I don't think I've ever screamed that loud in my life. <laughs> I was like, ah! Lou almost knocked me over. We were I just, was calling the game. Yeah, like, we were just like jumping up and down in the stands. It was insane. Yeah, I was sideline reporting and it was my first time and I was like, <laughs> What an intro. What a great <laughs> way to like start off this gig. Um but I think when we're talking about Anna DeWolf, she is a great three-point shooter obviously she's humble she's a leader and you know I think she can come through in clutch moments and hopefully we'll see that translate to a power five conference and hopefully you know really kick up her stock in the WNBA draft would love to see her be drafted and become a professional yeah another massive congratulations to Anna we cannot wait to see what you do next Um, We're going to hop on over to the WNBA for our next discussion. So Emily Engsler just got waived from the Indiana Fever just this week. She was a number four pick in the 2022 draft and now has just found herself without a team. What are our first reactions to this? I mean, I think we've talked about it so, so much. Um, I think that it really sucks that the roster sizes for the W are so small because this is just a, an example of a rookie kind of showing some promise. She had 181 blocks, fifth most ever scored by a fever rookie. Her 40 block shots were tied for the most on the team this season. Um, and, you know, when you see a player showing that kind of promise and then just being cut, it's it's heartbreaking, honestly. I can't imagine what Emily is thinking herself. But 
you know, I think if the roster sizes were bigger for the W, you could see these players kind of, um, you know, develop themselves further and then add, you know, current rookies to the roster and create better teams and, you know, generate more fans. I think that the roster size is really, really a big thing that is stopping the WNBA from becoming as popular as it could be and you know we've had so many conversations about it but I think it's something that really needs to change yeah and I mean at the end of the day it was because of her back injury right like she she got cut because she got injured and it's ridiculous that there isn't enough roster size in the WNBA to to count for that because like you said her her stats for someone so young are really good she was an impact player and when she recovers, she's going to get picked up by someone else. But that's not the point. The point is that she got cut when she was just drafted. Oh, my gosh. The whole thing is so frustrating to me. And the current commissioner is just like, well, nothing we can do. Look to the future. Like, you can only look to the future for so long until it becomes a legitimate issue. And it is currently a very legitimate issue. There are more eyes on the WNBA now than ever. More people talking about the WNBA and... And you're really hurting yourself so, so much by having situations like this happen. And this is not an isolated incident either. Mm-hmm. This is this has happened before. It's going to happen again in the future and until there's expansion. And I've said it before, but they should at least expand roster sizes by a couple until they can figure out how to expand the league. Because what's happening now, I mean, the league's been around for, for 20 years. This is ridiculous that there's only, what, 12 teams. Mm-hmm. In 20 years, you can't figure out how to, like, expand further than 12. The NWSL is already expanding two teams every year. Like, what – just just ask Berman, who is the commissioner of the NWSL, what she's doing, and then do the same thing. Like, I'm sh- sure that probably sounds ignorant in some way, but, you know, there's got to be a blueprint to expanding at least a little bit in 20 years. I just hate hearing the fact that, like, she was injured and then found herself waived. Because yeah. injuries, you can just never control when they're going to pop up and how long they're going to affect you. And it's, like, the fact that you have to fear for your job because a part of you feels, like, legitimately uncomfortable, just that just breaks my heart. And I can't even imagine, like, how she's feeling right now. Like, I feel like the fever just continues to, like, confuse me. And I, I understand, like, wanting to make room for new players. You've got Leah Boston going in there, Grace Berger. But it's just, like, at what cost? Like, like that is a 20, the 2022 number four pick. And, yeah, they've let, like, draft lottery picks go beforehand. Like, this, is a, this isn't, like, a first time for the Fever. But it's just, like, man, it's like they're just going in and out of players. And that makes me – like, honestly, this whole thing just makes me so nervous for players across the NCAA if they're even going to, like, be able to see the court in the pro leagues. Like, we just think about, like, all those picks that were picked so much later. Mm-hmm. Like, who knows if they make the roster spots? And that just scares me, and it makes me sad because it's like, you watch all these players for the NCAA, like, just, like, all year, and it's like, you grow, like, emotionally attached to them, and then you just, like, to see them get cut, like, literally, like, a year or two later. It's just, like, heartbreaking. That's why I feel like I'm, like, such a big advocate for, like, expanding the league. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, I don't really know how they can, like, fix this problem, but... Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I think it's very much a fixable problem. I think, you know, I we've talked about it so many times. I think you have to expand those roster sizes and then, you know, expand the franchises as a whole, um, expand to more cities. But it's funny how last episode we were kind of talking about the problem generally. And then, you know, we kind of see it in action here. And I think the bottom line is just that it is very heartbreaking for these players. And, you know, we hate to see it happen. 
Well, I'm going to finish the show on a sports story that I have been finding both inspiring and hilarious this entire week. So, Safana Hassan has been an absolute incredible incredible runner for the past couple of years. Yeah, we're going to make the Hopper basketball the track. I need to get a little track <laughs> talk in here while I'm hosting. Um, she's won in the Olympics in the 1500 5K, blah, blah, blah. So she decided to run the London Marathon on Sunday and won in her first marathon ever, which is just absolutely insane. We're talking about 26.2 miles here. And I don't know if you guys have heard this story. I know Julia said not to spoil it for her. So I'm just going to kind of want to hear it live on air for the first time. <laughs> it is legitimately like the crate. I don't know how she finished because it is like the legitimate craziest like sequence of events I've ever heard for a marathon. So just buckle up and get ready. So <laughs> she said that before the race, she was literally about to start crying on the start line. because She didn't want to do it. She was thinking to herself, she's like, why am I doing this? What am I doing? Because she's usually like a 1500 5K runner. Like that's like significantly shorter than the marathon. So she's like, oh my God. Like I'm so, she's like literally telling herself, oh my God, I'm so stupid. Why am I doing this? So during the marathon, she stops to stretch twice on the side of like the street because like she was having like it was either a quad or a hamstring cramp that she's. Oh, I heard about this. Yeah, so <laughs> she's she's st- standing there and stretching her quad. Then she falls behind like by like a it's like a thirty second gap between her and the leaders, which are so, by the way the best marathoners in the world. So she looked like she was completely out, and then somehow with like a she lucked out with like a couple slower miles by the lead pack to catch back up to them. And then, oh my gosh, she misses the drink. So basically, marathons have a ton of drink stations like along the side of the road just to like kind of like refuel and stuff. Like, because like 26 miles is a long time to run without stopping. Like, you're going to need to get some sort of carbohydrate or water in between. She almost misses this. It's like the funniest video. She almost misses the drink station, runs by, looks over, cuts across the street, like makes a hard left, and almost gets hit by a motorcycle running to this like drink station and then still wins the race because this woman is one of the fastest runners in the world let me just rattle off a couple pr she has a 156 800 meter pr which if you break two minutes that's absolutely insane and a free minutes and 51 second 1500 meter pr which is a little shorter than a mile i think that like equates to like a 410 mile for a woman which is insane so she's got that middle distance speed so she was able to outkick every single person in that lead pack and still win the marathon in about two hours and 18 minutes, which is an unheard of time for a debut marathon. So quick thoughts about that. guy. I mean, I personally think a marathon is like one of the greatest tests of like human strength and human endurance, obviously 26.2 miles. Um, I also find them to be like one of the most like emotional things in a way. Like I watch videos of people finishing marathons and I always start to tear up a little bit because it's like, wow, what an accomplishment that is. But for her to finish this um, and win under three hours and she didn't really have much experience marathon running, there's people who train for marathons for months and months and months. So I think it's just really a testament to how athletic she is and, and how good of a runner she is. Yeah, pretty much echoing everything you said. I mean, marathons are hard. I can barely run a mile. So um, <laughs> any story, all those stories about runners and, and track, I always find to be so incredible just because I know when I run, I know it's not a good look. So um, the fact that they can they can run for so long and that stories like this happen, like truly incredible. Yeah, like as I said, just like watching her almost get run over by that motorcycle. <laughs> I was just, I was like, I would not be able to finish at that point. I'd just be kind of scared, but... 
Well, that is going to do it for us here today. Wonderful show, you guys. Glad I got to talk through all this crazy basketball news with everyone. To wrap up the show, it's me, Taylor Macedo, with Annabelle Watson and Julia Moss saying so long from the Bronx. All In is a production from WFEV Sports.